right, this coming from the Daily Mail. Why did surviving roommate who came face-to-face with a killer wait six whole hours before calling 911? <gasps> and why did he choose them as his victims? The question is left unanswered by Dramatic Idaho Affidavit. So, this is interesting, man. Yeah. Your name's right in there. Oh, Affidavit. Affidavit. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. Uh, David, though, if you want to just say that, that. I guess I say it so much that it just pops right out of my mouth. I like that. Thank you, man. Uh, no, this is uh, something we haven't really discussed a lot on our show. Yeah. Um, the murders, we brought it up here and there, sprinkled it, uh, trying to wait for some stuff to come through. Uh, mm-hmm. But the man was arrested. Mm-hmm. Okay. He looks creepy as shit. Kilberger. Uh, well, His name's Kilberger. Yeah, man. Kilberger? So, Kilberger. <laughs> oh, it might be Kilberger, dude. <laughs> killer Brian Koberger. Dude, yeah. that's like a the Brian oh. the Killer Koberger. Dude, that's a fucking oh, NFL name if I've ever heard. Killer Koberger. Holy yeah. shit. Um, so probable cause affidavit was finally made public after the quadruple murder around last week. These are kind of just the highlights. Koberger was transferred to Idaho in order to find out what evidence prosecutors had against him. He was denied bail today during a brief court appearance in Moscow. Oh, that's Idaho. After yeah. co- I was like, what the? F-? Uh, documents <laughs> yeah. were shared online. So if you scroll down, the real the, the article really, um, and Greg, I know you're doing a show. Uh, it's Strange Shauna, right, with this yes. particular topic? Yep. So yep. you're Payton, gonna- Payton will be joining me, uh, and we're going to dive deep into this shit. Dude. Yeah, who was a Patreon member. Yes. Thank you for that. Yes. Um, and so this really is a, I just want to kind of scratch a, a specific area of this kind of mystery. Um, and that is that there was a witness basically to the murder. Mm. I mean, that's that's where we're at. I mean, there was a lady in the house, uh, a couple people, and actually saw the killer in the house and yeah. did so, not call anybody. So there were two roommates that were upstairs that were not harmed, and the other four, well, there was other roommates, and then um, four people were killed, right? Yep. But the uh, the roommate that was upstairs that they're talking about who saw the killer, Yep. She was upstairs in her room. She even heard crying. She heard something that sounded like a dog, like someone playing with her dog. Yep. She opened up the door three times, looking out her door like, is there anybody there? Saw this guy wearing a mask, like face, well, whatever, face mask. But then you could see his eyebrows. She said he had bushy eyebrows. Yep. Oh, shit, I have bushy eyebrows. <laughs> but uh, he was walking towards her, like not muscly, but athletic build. And then he just walked past her and went out the door. He actually said something uh, also to them that he was there to help them. Yeah, he heard. Uh, he So the roommate overheard, according to the affidavit, that the killer said, it's OK, I'm here to help you. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so she's getting a lot of mm. pressure right now to re- reveal why she failed to call the authorities earlier. So despite coming face to face with this bushy eyebrowed guy. Uh, yeah. She decided to wait six whole hours. That is weird. It's very, very weird. So Morrison told police that she saw the suspect, as Greg just said, dressed in all black and a mask covering his face. And her. And so that's another thing. It's like you got a mask covering your entire face, but you can see the eyebrows. So the eyebrows, you left those yeah. exposed. Was he wearing like the, the ski mask with the big opening like this? Yeah. I have no idea. Maybe. maybe. Uh, but she actually uh, was heard her roommates, her housemates, say there's someone here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and still. Did not call the police. And you know this chick mm. has her phone on her. Like, oh, come yeah. on, man. She's a girl, a college chick. She has her phone glued to her hip, and she could have easily called 911 and just said, I don't know what's going on. This is not normal. You know it's not normal. You see somebody in all black with a mask on in your home, and you don't think that, like, there's problems? <laughs> exactly. She- and so that was, like, at 4 a.m. that she saw this guy exit the house, 
right? And she said that she was frozen in fear. That's why she didn't really uh, yep. make the call. Yep. But she didn't call 911 until 11, something like 11.58 the next day. So, uh, I mean, oh, so got, wait, what time did this happen? Around 4.30 or so. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, here's they the, think the killing happened between 4 and 4.25 a.m. or something like that. Here's the thing that bothers me the most, and I, this is what I was saying earlier. She also heard the suspect say, it's okay, I'm here to help you, as he wandered around the house committing the atrocity. Okay? Here's the thing that bothers me. Okay, let's say you did. You, you open your door, there's somebody in there you don't recognize, you shut the door and lock it because you're afraid. Yeah. Uh, it all quiets down at some point. Mm-hmm. The people are gone and she's sitting there, and there's no one in the house at this point, and it's dead silent. Yeah. And after maybe 10 minutes, you're like, maybe he's still here. No pun intended. After an hour, you're like, okay, there's no one here. After two hours, you know that there's no one there. It's dead silent. You don't even go to check on your friends who are rummaging and falling over and yelling and doing stuff upstairs. You yeah, don't even go up I there imagine, and say, what's going yeah, on? I, I imagine it was so loud. I mean, if I'm getting stabbed to death, I'm screaming, bro. Oh, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm not, uh, I'm not just sitting there going... <laughs> You know, it's. I, I mean, it's very possible that she's just one of those people that just can't do anything under a, a panic situation. Like there are people that completely just fold. Well, she ended up calling nine one one eventually. Well, the, eventually, just, yeah. Why did it take you but, so long? I mean, like a lot of people in that time, they hear people yelling and screaming. Clearly, someone's broke into the house. They'd call right then, right? Yeah. There are some people that are just completely fucking shut down and can't do anything. Dude, do you think this is like a revenge thing where she worked with the killer? I don't know. That's and tried to set up the scene and stuff? I Cuz they found a a knife sheath on the bed. And so they they still haven't found the murder weapon, yeah. the knife. Yeah. And they found a sheath on the bed and the buckle, like the the snap button on that sheath contained DNA mm-hmm. that matched Brian Kilberger. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, the reason why they got his DNA is get this, dude. They went to his family's house in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Because these these killings happened in Idaho. The guy yeah. lived in Pullman, Washington. Yeah, they found him in the fucking woods. His his family lives in Pennsylvania, where the police stole some of the trash out of the family's home in Pennsylvania and found Kilberger. I'm just gonna call him Kilberger found his DNA on, like, a whatever, and they matched it to this buckle on the knife sheath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, okay. That's pretty minimal, though. <laughs> you know, it's there. The thing, the thing that I got from the affidavit is how much they can track your ass with cell phone data. Oh, yeah. Because that's what they used yeah. to track him. And yeah. they, they found out that this guy was, like, stalking them. He, he went over there, like, 12 times because he was in Pullman, right? So this yep. was eight, eight, I don't know how many miles away, but... He went over there about 12 times and stalked him and then killed him. Well, I mean, the quick rundown ultimately is Mortison, which is the gal that did not call the police, she woke up at 4 a.m. when she heard uh, the victim, Kaylee Goncalves? I don't know how to say that. Sorry, I think it's Goncalves. Goncalves. Okay, she was 21, playing with her dog, Mm. okay, in a third-floor bedroom. Uh, She said she looked out her room but didn't see anything, looked again on a second occasion, when she thought she saw, or she thought, uh, is it Zana Kernoodle? Kernoodle? I don't even know. I'm, I'm messing these names up. Kernoodle. I don't know. I'm sorry. She saw her crying. Okay. Morrison stated she opened her door for the third time after she heard the crying and saw a figure clad in black clothes and a mask that covered her mouth. 
and nose walking towards her. After the man moved towards her, she said that she remained in a frozen shock phase as he continued past her but let her survive. And this is the real question other than why she did not call. To Greg's point, it's not clear why both Funk and Mortison were allowed to live with the latter coming face-to-face with their housemate's killer. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. It does yeah. not make sense unless there was a unless there was a personal vendetta against specific people. But That's even what then, I'm we've seen this so many times in movies, and I know they're movies, but just in situations where she he saw her, yeah. and she he recognized that she witnessed him. Yeah, and yep. most times when you're on a savage and you're in that mind where you're just killing, bro, you're in that in that state of mind. You're not yeah, letting you're, you're not letting witnesses walk, bro. No. You wouldn't think. So you it's, wouldn't it's think. very shocking. Uh, very, very yeah, shocking. it's weird. And but to me, it's, to, the, the most thing for me is like, why did it take so long? And secondly, even when you felt that the situation had calmed down, that the sound had gone away, that the it seemed quiet in the house, why would you not go and just see what's going on? Call the cops then and yeah. say, I, I'm going upstairs. Like, you know, like you would. Well, and that's the other thing too. Like that long after. Once, like you said, everything was quiet. You literally watched the guy leave. Yeah. Why? You know you, what? You're not going to go check on anybody? Nope, I guess not. You know what tells me, uh, or this tells me, is that she knew that this guy lived about six to eight hours away, and she was waiting until he got over the border into Washington State and then made the call. Hmm. I think she was in on it, bros. That's what you, so that's where you stand on it? You think so? There's no other excuse. Yeah, I mean the fear thing doesn't that that's not good enough for me. Um, the, no. and we've listen, we have yeah, millions of cases. I, I can see in the moment, like w- when you just saw him, and maybe a little while after, you're you're still like, what the fuck just yeah. happened? But hours later, yeah. and you still don't go down and like see anything, and then yep. call that doesn't make any sense. No, we we have millions of examples, and this is where I'll end it on my end. We have millions of examples of murders and situations where people find people or hear something. And the majority of the time, the people call the, I mean, almost all the time, they call the police. They find the victims, you know what I'm saying, and call the police. Yep. This one did none of that. They didn't call. They didn't even go find out what was going on. And they waited just enough time for him to leave the border. I'm not saying she's involved. I'm not going to go there yet. But regardless, boy, she should have some responsibility because she made the case much, much harder than it should have been. I mean, why six hours? I if mean, the state of fear would have been, I mean, maybe two hours at the most. Yeah, but what if she just would have went into a room and just called 911 and then even hung up? Exactly. Hung exactly. up. Call them and hang yeah, up. Yeah, you don't even have to they talk. Would, they would they, show up they, to the house. They'd do a like, security check or something. And yeah. knowing, because it was a frat house, right? Well, uh, a sorority like, house or whatever? Mm, no? It was just it like was just a, a college, house where they were all college sharing. Lit, oh. yeah. It wasn't like an organization thing. It was just they all were roommates yeah. in a house. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Like, I, I just feel like she made a grave mistake on this one. Whether she's involved or not, I don't know. But I'm, that doesn't take away the fact that she screwed this up. Oh, yeah. Because they could have well, caught him that night. <clears throat> so uh, Kaylee Goncalvez, her yeah. father came out saying that the killer and Kaylee knew each other. He can't explain how because it's still ongoing, the investigation is. But... Apparently, they knew one another, and he called them like a, a half-ass fucking you know piece of shit. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, eh, I saw there's, a, there might be some history with these. I, I these saw people. an article too where they got DoorDash literally minutes before the murder. 
Yes. Yeah. One of the uh, murdered. Yeah, Zana Kernodal. Yeah. She was on TikTok and she ordered some DoorDash at 4 a.m. And mm. then shortly after that, uh, Koberger came in and did the deed. Hmm. Seems weird, bro. I I just wanted to highlight that. I I we haven't really gone into it, and I know Greg, you're doing Almost the strange like it was sauna a signal. Yeah, we're we haven't talked a lot about, it, but this one to me is <clears> worth <throat> bringing up because that is a huge question, and that puts a lot of a lot of pressure on her to start answering up to why this is the way it is, and not only her, but the other guy, the funk, funky, funky, whatever, f u n k e. Yeah. Where was she at? Uh, where was she, and why was she not involved in any of this as well? Because if she heard it, the other person probably heard it as well. And no one called the cops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I heard something in my house, I'm calling the cops. If my wife heard something in the house and I wasn't there, she's calling the cops. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, that's a normal instinct. What is wrong? Ah, yeah, I'm telling man. you. We'll see. something fishy here. Uh, very excited about your Strange Sauna episode that's going to highlight even more strange oddities about this with Hell Peyton. Yeah. It's going to be rad. Uh, when's I'm that excited. out, Greg? When's that going to be released? That will be out next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. On Patreon. On Patreon only. Exclusive, baby. This is uh, Brass Tax. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.